Okay, so the reading today is 1 Kings chapter 18, and we're starting at verse 38. So then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God! The Lord, he is God! Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal, don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had brought them down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Wouldn't dare let you out here without praying for you. <laughs> Better safe than sorry, I guess. Lord, thank you for Dan. Would you bless him now and may his words be your words. Amen. Amen, indeed. Good morning. Guys, it's so good to be back here. I'm brilliant to see you all. Um, it's, been a- it's been ages, hasn't it? I see uh, it's still, still a bit chilly. Um, <laughs> what, what do Mexicans do when they're cold? They use chicken fajitas. <laughs> chicken fajitas! Uh, some things don't change. Oh gosh, I forgot. How, I think people are laughing. I forgot how hard it is to see people's faces. Just, smi- just smile at me so I can see some teeth. Yeah, brilliant. Um, well, guys, it's, I was part of this church for a long time. Uh, for people who don't know me, my name's Dan. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of my story. Um, I left, uh, got kicked out about three and a half years ago. Um, I, I think, yeah, you guys, uh, I don't know if you remember, you, you prayed me out. I stood here with family and a, and a team of people and prayed me out. Uh, I think some people have been praying me out for quite a long time. Um, I was kind of three and a half years ago, and it's great to see you guys. Uh, I recognise loads of faces. Um, some people have aged more than others, haven't you? Nice to chat to Tim Armstrong at the back. Um, it's not all going to be jokes, I promise. Uh, it's seriously, it's like a, it's something of a spiritual homecoming for me this morning. Like walking in, a few people have said, "Oh, is it? Uh, is it feel a bit weird being back at the church?" I was like, "No, actually." Just feels like being. It just feels like coming home, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's the same. Went to the kitchen, helped myself. Um, you know, had a little neb around to see what's what's new and what's been moved and what furniture's the same. Even managed like some heated chat about Brexit. So it's just it's just like going home. Um, I was uh, I was part of this team that, that came down and, and planted this church here a long time ago. My links with Philly go way back, like right to the very beginning. We started in, uh, I don't know, 2002, 2003-ish, I suppose. Um, a bunch of us came down and started things down here. And it was an amazing time. I became a Christian up at, up at Crooks, up the hill. Um, 
and uh, my family went there and had a great, you know, journey there. But coming down here was really exciting. You know, the early days of this church and, 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 and onwards and the, my time at this church when I really, really fell in love with Jesus. When I learned about discipleship, when I learned about mission, when I learned who I was as a Christian. Um, when we get pushed off, I, I like to think that, you know, I'm, I'm written in the history books a little bit of Philly. There's a few things that are special about me. I was, I was the fir- all right. I was, uh, I was the first person, and maybe the only person, to discover that like, when we first came here, we didn't worship here because this this building wasn't ready. We used to worship in the building over there, which is called the teaching hall. Uh, we used to worship in the teaching hall, and I was the first person to discover that you could fit an old type Ford Fiesta through the uh, fire doors on the corner um, one one evening when I when I happened to have keys, and so me and my friends. We had some fun with that, but we still had church there on a Sunday morning. I got into so much trouble for these tire marks all over the carpet. Uh, with a, a guy, people know Malk. Um, he's a good egg, Malk. He ran the buildings for a while. He was not impressed with me. Um, I worked here from about 2004, 2005. I was on staff here. I, uh, I think towards the end of the time, I was longest or second longest serving staff member. Um, so I knew all the ins and outs of it. I was, however... Is anybody here on form? Oh, one person. A few of you, good. Um, I was actually the only, I think, still, I'm the only person that has ever uh, been on staff here, but actually applied for form and failed my interview. Um, yeah, yeah they, uh, I did get interviewed for it, but they were like, no, there's no, no hope for this guy. Um, so so I, didn't, I didn't get on. So, well, so you guys are on form, well done. You are way ahead of me already and way holier uh, than me, so God's got great stuff. Um, I was chief practical joker on staff here um, and chief mischief maker. Uh, yeah, I think I can probably tell a couple of stories. Uh, there was just how long have I got? I need to start preaching soon. Uh, just a couple, of, a couple of stories. I remember the old days when Facebook was very new. Does anyone remember when Facebook was new? Um, three of you. I think um, I got I got into trouble very early on because our boss then was Paul Mac uh, Mac Attack. He was in he was in charge and you know proper big boss, very serious. Now no one really understood Facebook, and I thought it'd be really funny uh, if, I, if I went on Facebook and I changed my name to Paul McConaughey and changed my Facebook profile to the same pictures to his profile picture, uh, and then just like wrote a load of stuff on people's Facebook walls, such. <laughs> Such, such as, I know that you've not been praying enough. Uh, or, or, or I think I might have sacked Andrew Buckley as well. Um, so yeah, I just did things like that. I remember when At- Rich Atko, he was my boss for a while and he was on holiday. And I, while he was away, I filled his office with balloons. Um, so that when he came back, all he saw was balloons. And I stuck a, a pin on the door so that he could get to his, get to his desk and stuff. But it wasn't him that, it wasn't him that got it. It was his wife that came back because she had to really grab something. And I believe it was a bit of an emergency. And uh, they were very unimpressed. Um, however... There was serious, uh, well, it wasn't, wasn't that serious, but there was some really, really big times for me here at Philly. I, as I said, it's where I really fell in love with Jesus. So I learned to be um, a missionary. It's where I learned discipleship. It's where I learned to be a leader. Um, it's where God grew me and he changed me. And I l- I've loved worshiping this morning. Um, just, just give each other, just, I know it's dark out there, but turn to the person next to you and give them a really big smile. This. And try and look normal while you're doing it. This is a really special church family. 
and a really special church. Um, and I'm so grateful that you've had me back for a little bit. Uh, I'd love to, if I can, share a little bit about what God's... I'm going to come to the Bible in a bit. I would love to come to... Uh, uh, I'd love to share some, some of the stuff that's been going on for the last few years, if that's all right, kind of what's happened since, since you saw me. Um, as you will see, I am, you know, slimmer and healthier. Uh, yeah, and, um, you know, more mature and more grown up and more sensible and all those things. Um, but I've been on a... I've been on a, well, we have all been on a really exciting journey, me and my family and the, and the team that went up. So what was the plan? Well, when I was here at, at Philly, I was in charge of Forge Youth. Um, uh, so I was in charge of the youth work, and then, and then towards the end, I was overseeing the, the children's work and the family's work as well. But alongside that, I did a couple of MAs in theology, and I trained to be a vicar, and I got ordained. Um, and so I'm a, you know, a proper kind of, can wear the collar and sometimes the dress and everything in the, in the Church of England. And um there was always a sense that there would come a time where it was time for me to step out and lead a church. So I was trying to uh, Peter and Anne a few years ago, and it felt like that was the time. Um, but the problem was the bishop, uh, Bishop Steve at the time, didn't really know what to do with me. Uh, because he said, Dan, you're not normal. <laughs> Thanks, Bishop. don't know what to say to that. In fact, and I've got time for that. I've got some funny stories. Ask me, I've got some funny stories afterwards. Um, he said, Dan, you're not normal. And I, and I feel like if we put you in a church, um, people won't like you or, you know, it won't go very well or whatever. So he's like, what, do we, what are we going to do with, um, with Dan? What are we gonna, and we were kind of asking, what do we do as a church? What's like the next step for us, you know, missionally and, uh, and um, strategically? And then there was this other church which we came across, which was called Wadsley, Wadsley Church. Now, is anybody here proper Sheffield enough to know what being sent to Wadsley means? No, nor was I um, until I went up there. But it turns out that being sent to Wadsley is a Sheffield phrase. And if you talk to anybody over a certain age in certain areas, they all know what it means. Because Wadsley uh, was the area of, um, there was the priory there. And before that, it was, it was the asylum um, and, uh, and there's a saying in Sheffield where they say, oh, I keep on going on like that, they'll be sent to Wadsley. Uh, and what it means is that uh, you're going to get sent up there. They think there's something wrong with you, you're going to get sent to Wadsley. So Wadsley Church existed, and the thing is, Wadsley had been, uh, it hadn't had a vicar for a long time, so it had been on its own. Um, uh, it had just been led by itself, by kind of the congregation, uh, the diocese, as every, with every church that's, um, doing good stuff in the country, didn't have any money, uh, and they were like, we can't afford to put a vicar there. And obviously, you know, the whole stuff about, um, you know, without vision, the people perish. The church had been, it was full of really, really good people, but very, very good, uh, very, very tired people. And the church, the big church, Church of England, was kind of thinking, well, maybe we should close it down. Maybe it's time to wind this church down. So what we said was, well, maybe we could go and have a go because we've got nothing to lose. We don't know what to do with Wadsley. We don't know what to do with Dan. Uh, let's go and have a go and see uh, what we can go. So um, uh, the plan was, I said, I'll go and have a go and I just won't cost you anything. So I've been leading Forge for a long time. What we'd learn at Forge was that when you step out and you follow God, he always pays for what he orders. Um, and so I had a staff team here at Forge that for kind of years and years, we'd never had a salary secured for us. Uh, we just used to say, well, we feel like this is what God's doing. Let's step out and hopefully the money will come through. And the money had come through year on year. It was amazing. And we always we had this policy that we said, we won't follow the money. We won't be like, if you do this, then you'll get paid for it. Instead, we'll say, if God calls us here, then we'll go there um, and then we'll trust it came through. So we've been doing that for a while. So I kind of felt like, all right, we'll try that. 
or put wadders. Uh, and so I went up as a vicar, but without a salary, uh, kind of stepping out in faith, hoping that God would provide. And also, we do, as we know here at Philly, we do everything in team. So we went out with a team of people. So me and Sarah and our kids, and then 10 people, uh, eight from here at Wadsley. In fact, 10 here from Wadsley went up. And um, it's been a real adventure. Uh, I uh, have to say that I've been paid pretty much full-time every year, which is amazing. Um, in part, thanks to people giving. Uh, in part, thanks to some very miraculous stories, which I might come on to later on. And in part, thanks to uh, you guys who supported me over the last few years. So I'm here to say thank you. I said to Peter a few months ago, Peter, how can I come to the church and say thank you? Like, what would be an appropriate gift uh, to show how much I show my appreciation? And he said, um, well, maybe you could uh, give us a sermon. <laughs> so... Thanks. Maybe I should get him a chocolate orange or something as well. Um, but here I am saying thank you and sharing some stuff for what's happened as we've gone out to lead this church. And uh, brothers and sisters, I have to tell you, we've had an amazing three, uh, three years and God has come through. God has moved. Um, it's, you know, been through uh, prayer and sweat and tears, plenty of tears, um, I've learned some lessons and we've gone up some really steep learning curves. But God has come through in this church and he's on the move and it's exciting. Um, when I first arrived, there was probably about 50 or 60 people in the church. There were a couple of kids. Uh, they were good, good eggs, but they were tired, as I said. Um, now there's probably about 140 um, in the church. There's probably about 170 or 80 if you count children as people, um, which... <laughs> I found an interesting conversation with the diocese, um, but we've seen an amazing growth, and the vast, vast majority in this growth has been people coming to faith, uh, people in the area who didn't know Jesus, who do know Jesus now, or people who uh, have, w- did know him in, and kind of lost their way and haven't been in church for a long time. There's been a, a significant amount of returners, uh, and we've, I've seen, I think, three families have joined who went to other churches but lived in the area and wanted to get involved in more local mission and reach out to the neighbours or get involved in the school, but um, what time am I meant to finish talking? I'm not on the Bible yet. Okay, but I'll just tell a few. We've seen some amazing salvations, you know. Do you remember when you were a teenager and you went to that talk, as a Christian talk, and somebody said to you, oh, um, you know, everybody's got a God-shaped hole in their heart and they just don't know it. And you think, right, okay, I'll go tell my friends. And you tell the friends and they're like, no, I don't. Um, well, do you know what? Someone stopped me in the street a couple of years ago and they said, Dan, I've got something missing in my heart and I know that it's God uh, and I want you to pray for me so I can become a Christian. Um, and I thought, yes, finally, it's taken 20 years. But I, and, and, you know, I prayed for him. And now his whole family, he's been confirmed. His wife was baptized. The kids are coming, the kids are coming to church. Um, it's just, this is good, isn't it? Um, you know, just, was, a few other stories. There was one girl who uh, came and she, um, she was like, I want to go for, can we find out about Jesus and stuff? And I was like, yeah, okay then. So I, I took her for coffee. She had no contact with church, anything before, nothing like that. And I was like, okay, we'll meet. And so basically I spent the whole time for this coffee prepping myself for the big ask at the end of like, will you come on this alpha course? Uh, and, you know, hopefully she'll say yes and she won't find us too weird. Um, so I went for coffee, talked about my life and talked about Jesus. Ready, I was ready to say, come on, the, come on the alpha course, then you can find out more about God and maybe get involved in the church and blah, blah, blah. We were finishing our coffee, and, she, and she, I was about to go, and I was like, oh, here's the Alpha Course flyer. It'd be great for you to come on. And she said to me, um, Jenny, she's called. 
uh, she said, Dan, you know that prayer that you said where you prayed and you gave your life to Jesus? And I was like, yeah. She's like, can we just do that now? Because I'm ready and I want to go for it. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? So, you know, she became a Christian. She got, uh, got, we had a, another baptism. We had a lot of baptisms. It's been great. Um, do you know our church? It's got a, it's got, it's got a baptistry. It's cool. It's like um, 20, uh, 15, 20 years ago, they had a major refurb of the church. And as part of it, someone gave them loads of money to put a baptistry in. So you pull the carpet up and pull the planks off and then fill it up with water. Um, and uh, it, it happened, and I think it was used three times in those 15 years. Um, and I think we've used, used it every, every sort of six months uh, since we've come. It's great. And these, the people actually that gave the money have got in touch uh, only, only this last week. And they said, oh, we've just heard it's amazing because we knew that this was going to happen. But we gave this money 15 years ago. However, our youth worker, um, we had a youth service a while ago. It was a really nice baptistry with like nice white tiles. Um, for the youth service, he thought it would be funny to fill the baptistry with gunge Bright green gunge, so that we could uh, gunge the vicar or the youth worker at the end of the service. So now we have a really nice baptistry uh, with a bit of a green tinge all the way around. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, people that gave all that money for the nice baptistry. Um, Yeah, guys, children, flipping heck. When I went and I was interviewed at this church, uh, the PCC interviewed me and a few other people. And they said, what we'd really like to do is we'd like to see uh, loads of children um, in the church again. Because... uh, you know, we remember children in the church. Now we've just got a couple. And I mean, you have to be careful what you wish for sometimes, don't you? For our church, I mean, it's expensive and it breaks stuff and it makes loads of noise. But we're overrun with children at the moment. We had, like, we had 50 the other week. 50 children in this tiny little church. Um, we, uh, it's, just, it's great. And, I, you know, the local school are really, really open. I went into the local school in the first week and because um, our... Two of our kids go, and uh, the third, Aiden's going to start in September. And um, on the door was the assistant head welcoming people. And the assistant head, I, I knew her. She was a mum of a, one of my friends from when, I, from when I was a teenager. And that school has been so open. You know, they, uh, they let me go in and do assemblies. They fly her for all our stuff. Every kid gets an uh, invitation to all our, all our Christmas things. We go in and do some, help out with the lessons. Uh, we've helped out with some coaching, with some supporting of some of the kids there. Um, and it's just the flow of like people. There's like I think there's six people in Noah's class uh, who are now uh, coming to church on a Sunday morning with their parents. It's great, isn't it? And youth work. I mean, youth. I mean, you guys will know. Anyone who remembers me, I would talk about teenagers being the most important people in the church uh, all the time, and I still believe it. Um, and uh, so I went, and there weren't. There was one person who was about to be a teenager when I was there. I was like, we're desperate for teenagers. So we uh, employed a youth worker. And we didn't have any teenagers. That was difficult to get through PCC, but we got there. Um, and we had no money. Um, but God has amazingly provided. We've got an, an av- don't tell him, but we've got an absolutely stonking youth worker, a guy called Sean, and he's doing a brilliant job. We're the youth club now, uh, we have over, over 100 teenagers on the books for our youth club on a Friday night. We usually have 40 or 50 most, most weeks. Uh, Sean is... Um, He's, he is also is a good egg. His heart uh, is always for the fringiest, most vulnerable uh, people that he can find. This is reflecting our youth club on a Friday night, um, which is just absolutely brilliant. I've been a, I've been a couple of times, and it's, and it's noise and it's mess. But do you know, we took a bunch to the higher tour last Friday night to the gig, and um, seven of them, um, they didn't quite stay till the response because 
they don't have that kind of a concentration span. But on the way back, they were asking Sean loads of questions and uh, they've, about the Bible, and he said, do you want to find out more? And they've basically set up a discipleship group. So these seven lads are going to meet with Sean every Thursday, and they're going to uh, start looking at the Bible and working out what they believe about God. Um, we've got a youth group on a Sunday morning now, which is brilliant. But uh, I'll tell you what else is really exciting, is we've started working with our local schools. So... We've launched a, uh, an inclusion project at our church. It's called Salted. And um, Sean, our youth worker, was going into, the, going into the schools and working with these kids and working with the ones that are really struggling, the ones that are right on the edge, the ones that have got stuff going on at home, and just trying to share with them, uh, you know, kind of the love of God. And, and the school said, what we really need is, we'd love it if they could come to you in the day and learn their English, maths, and science and stuff with you. So... We were like, great, let's try that. Um, so we've stepped out and had a go. Uh, Emma Fenn, who was on the team who came with me, she's heading it up, doing an amazing job. She also stepped out in faith, trusting that money's going to come through. She quit her job to do it. Um, and, you know, it's remarkable having these kids coming into school, uh, coming into church, school, church, same thing. Uh, it is for them. They come in on a, you know, to church every day. And they have two or three adults who care about them, who love them, who look after them, who are kind of coaching. And one, one person reflected, oh, these, are the kind, these kids are just getting the kind of uh, support that other kids get where their parents pay for it to help them with their extra tuition, don't they? But these ones are getting it every day, sort of one-to-one or two-to-one tuition. Um, we, uh, the council came and looked around it, and they loved, they loved it so much. They loved what we're doing. They said, the only thing we'd like is, would you offer science? This was a, f- a few months ago. And we said, yeah, we'll offer science, but we need, um, we need £1,500 to do it. Uh, and the council, as we know, is broke. Um, but the person who was off, who'd met, who'd been to visit, rung us the next day and said, I've spoken to my boss, we want to give you £3,000 because uh, we believe so much in what you're doing. We want to give you double what you asked for because we can see the difference that this is having in these kids' lives. Um, there's one girl, uh, she... Um, she hasn't been in school since year six, I don't think. But and she came to us a bit ago, and they reckon she would have. She was predicted no GCSEs, but now she, they've just done their mocks recently. They think she's going to get English, maths, and science to uh, GCSE this summer. Um, so you know, God's doing stuff. He's doing stuff in salvation. He's doing stuff in the young people in the next generation. Uh, he's doing stuff out in the community. I, I think I need to look at the Bible. I'll do some more stories in a bit. Um, if that's okay. So, the Bible, I know you're meant to be doing the cross at the moment, but this was a passage that's really spoken to me, so I thought we'd look at that. that you, we'll get some cross stuff in there. If you don't have a Bible, it might be worth just uh, looking on your phone, just Google 1 Kings 18, um, don't go on Facebook. Uh, but, but this is a, it's an amazing passage, uh, one which we probably we know quite well. Um, so the deal is this, Elijah's around, and there's a, there's a king, King Ahab, and King Ahab is a baddie, right? There's good kings, there's middle kings, there's bad kings. King Ahab is a baddie, and his wife, she's not great either. Um, and Elijah's been saying to him, and he says, look, you've got to start following God. Stop, stop with all this Baal rubbish. You've got to start following God. And Ahab's like, nah, nah, nah. And Elijah says, if you don't, then, I'm gonna, then there'll be a great drought, and the whole nation will be suffering. And Ahab's like, no, nah, no. Nah. So then the drought comes, right? And in desert areas drought is really bad news uh, so there's no there's no rain and people are suffering the crops are suffering people are desperate for it to rain they're desperate for uh desperate for the rain to come back so eventually elijah says oh, i'll tell you what let's see who's more who's more important let's see who's bigger who's better between you know god and baal 
And you guys know this story, don't you? Uh, so they, so they, they get all the prophets of Baal and the priests of Baal. They set up a, um, an altar to Baal and they're like, come on, send your fire. And he doesn't. So they start doing this dancing and cutting themselves and moaning. And Elijah takes the mick out of them and then the fire still doesn't come. And then Elijah says, okay, let's give God a chance now. You get out of it and we'll just make a, a, an altar to God. Uh, so they make an altar to God and then he says, uh, cut up the bull and whatever and put it on there. And then they pour all the, he says, let's make it hard. We'll pour water on. So they pour water on. Um, and everyone just thinks, God, you know, he's not going to come through because uh, they've all been putting their faith in Baal for so long. And then we come to verse 38, uh, which is amazing. Because it says this, the fire of God fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones and the oil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When people saw this, they fell prostrate and they cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And God wins. Because skipping the gruesome bit, Elijah says to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. After the time of drought, he says there is a sound of heavy rain. Now, this battle was messy, you know. It was, it was um, full of blood. And there's something interesting here, isn't there? Because what Elijah's done is he's killed uh, the bull, he's put it on the altar, and then he's poured water on it. So we have blood and water mingling together. We have death. And then we have God's power coming and the battle being won. She got a bit of the cross in there. We have the battle being won at the foot of Mount Carmel. God's power comes, his flame comes, he engulfs it. And everyone's like, yes, the victory is won. We've done it. And Elijah says to King Ahab, there's a sound of heavy rain. But then, this is what we're focusing on today. Look at what happens. Elijah says to him, go and eat and drink. Ahab goes off. Elijah climbs to the top of Mount Carmel. He bends down to the ground and puts his face between his knees. You see, the battle is won, but Elijah still knows that he needs to pray. The battle is won. The rain is coming, but to see it come in, Elijah knows that he needs to pray. He goes up to the mountain. He gets on his knees. He gets on the ground. He puts his face between his knees. And I wonder where we feel like we are at the moment. I wonder where we feel like we are. Whether we're right at the foot of Mount Carmel. Whether we're feeling like we're still in the battle. Or whether we're at the top. The battle is won and we're waiting for the rain to come. Because I think too often we get caught up in the battle that's already been won. Too often we get stuck down in the bottom. And God is saying to us, maybe... Come up and get my perspective. You see, the church, I think, is called to live the prophetic life. You might not know, Elijah is a prophet. Um, The uh, church is called to live a prophetic life. So Elijah says to Ahab, go eat and drink. There's a sound of heavy rain. Elijah climbs the top of Mount Carmel. He bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. And he says this, go to his servant. Uh, He says to his servant, go to look towards the sea and tell me what he can see. So the servant goes and looks and then he comes back and he says, there's nothing. So Elijah says to him, well, go and look again. 
The servant goes and he looks and he comes back to Elijah and he says, there's nothing. Seven times this happens. Seven times uh, the servant gets sent over to look for this rain that God said is going to come. Elijah said, you can hear the sound of heavy rain. Seven times he goes and he comes back. But then what happens? The servant says this, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. read on a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea what does Elijah do he doesn't celebrate he says go and tell Ahab hitch up your chariot and go down before it stops you so Elijah's prayed it in he's watched it in and look at this hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you meanwhile the sky grew black with clouds the wind rose And the heavy rain came on. Ahab rode off to Jezreel, and the power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab. Ahab's gone in a chariot, Elijah's filled with God's power, so he runs ahead of him and goes to Jezreel. But it's like this. What did his servants see? What did he see when he started celebrating, when he knew it was coming? It wasn't the heavy rain, it wasn't the cloud, it wasn't the sky, you know, as black. He said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand rising above the sea. And up at Wadsley, I think that's what we're seeing. You know, we're seeing a cloud the size of a man's hand arising above the sea. I um, went to... uh, a great training thing for Vickers the other day, a guy called Mark Russell was speaking at it. Uh, Mark leads the um, church army. Uh, he also is a good egg. Um, but there's something when you hang out with evangelists, I don't know if you find this, whenever you hear evangelists talking, you kind of feel burdened to you know, start being, doing more stuff yourself, don't you? Like, I want to see my friends saved. I want to step out. And you, know, you feel like you can take on the world if you've hung out with a really gifted evangelist. Well, I was, as he was talking, I was like, yes, I you know, want to see more people saved. Um, so I messaged my friend. A couple of people uh, came to church kind of around Christmas time. And they showed vague interest and I said hello. And then I really hadn't had any contact with them since then. But as Mark was speaking, I was like, yes, I, I want to see something. So I messaged my two friends uh, and I said, uh, both separately, and I said, I, I really want to tell you about Jesus. Um, I know you came to church. I know you may be interested. I'd love for us to go for a drink or go for a coffee uh, so that we can, um, I can tell you a little bit more about this God stuff. Anyway, they both messaged back within 10 minutes saying Yes. <laughs> Saying they really wanted to, which is great. Um, I'm meeting one next next week, uh, but the first one that I messaged, we went for a drink, and uh, and I said, okay, so what do you think about this God stuff? And he's like, well, you know, I'm not right sure. I'm interested, and you know, we had a good chat, but it wasn't the salvation in the pub that I was hoping for. Uh, he messaged me a couple of times since we've chatted, but then on Sunday morning he came to church. Uh, he came to church with his wife, uh, with his fiancee, and um, and with their kids. And I thought, you know what, there it is. The cloud, the size of a man's hand that we can see. The glimpses of the breakthrough. The little bits of that heavy rain which is coming. Um, This church, uh, you know, us being sent, the team being sent from here. We weren't the first people to be sent out from this amazing church. We won't be the last people to be sent out from from this amazing church. 
But I think there is a heavy, heavy rain promise for Sheffield. I've been believing it uh, for, you know, 20, 20 odd years. I still think it's coming. Um, and I think this first little bit of it, who's ringing me? Never mind. Um, sorry, I forgot how to be professional since I've been away. Um, this first little bit uh, is something which is like that cloud in the Elijah story. I see a cloud the size of a man's hand rising, but the heavy, oh gosh, it's 10 past 12, but the heavy rain is coming. Don't worry, I've got three more pages, then I'm done. Um, you know, missional communities, church plants, basic discipleship and mission, those things that facilitate that great uh, move of God's presence. That, um, it's coming. But do you know what Elijah had to do? He had to, he had to pray. He had to, and people up at Wadsley have been praying ruddy hard uh, for something to happen. When I um, first arrived, there was this little lady, she's called Sandra. Oh, I hope you're not listening, Sandra. Sorry, I said you were little. Um, <laughs> forgot you guys use the internet here. Uh, she... Um, but amazingly, after my licensing, she came with a journal. Um, and she said, oh, look at this journal, Dan. And the journal, she'd been praying for the church for ages. And she had this prophetic word from five, six years before, which said, uh, the church is going to go through this difficult time, but then someone is going to come to lead, and he's going to bring his wife and a team of 10 people. And do you know, I'll tell you something else. Um, this lady called Jean. Oh, my goodness, Jean is amazing. She is... Um, I mean, she's, she's not young. Uh, she's, she's, she's actually blind now. She wasn't a couple of years ago when we first came to church. She's lost her sight since. But um, she came to church. She got kicked out of our church uh, 20 years ago. She got kicked out for speaking in tongues. And they were like, oh, we don't, we don't want that around here. But every day since then, she has prayed for Wadsley Church and prophesied over it. And she's got journals of prophetic words, like piles of them. I'm reading through now. She can't read anymore, but we're reading through them together. And honestly, guys, it's just crazy. Like, our church was old and wooden and, you know, dark walls and things. And it had a major refurb about... Um, 10, 12 years ago, and now it's got nice carpets and nice red chairs, um, and since we came in, we put little circles of chairs for prayer minister at the end. Well, Jean came in, walked in for the first time in like 20 years, and was amazed, because, and then she brought the journal the next week, and she's like, this is the picture I had of church. All the pews were gone, and there was a blue carpet, and there were red chairs, and there was a circle there, and there was a circle there, and she saw these extensions. It's just amazing that people have been praying, 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 praying for this stuff to happen. Just like Elijah, the victory was already won. The victory was won at the bottom of, at the foot of Mount Carmel, but that's not where we are. Where we, we're at the top, and we're praying in and looking for that heavy rain which is coming. Um, but praying and watching and waiting is hard, isn't it? And it's tiring. Um, and I wish I had like, some clever or funny thing to say that would make that not true. Um, but it is true. Seven times that servant had to go and look. And six times he saw nothing. And he came back, there's nothing there. And Elijah, face you know, on the ground, knee between his legs, face, just go and look again. Um, he had to look seven times to go and find it. So what do I feel like God's saying to us at Wadsley? What do I feel God might be saying to us here at Philly? Um, friends, we are expecting heavy rain. There it is. 
We are expecting the heavy rain of God's presence. The heavy rain in our church, in our church at Wadsley, in our lives, but in this city. And God is calling us to be the Elijahs. God is calling us to watch and God is calling us to pray. And if we don't see anything, then we watch again. And if nothing happens, then we pray again. Because even if the stuff we see at first is like, a si- is like just the size of a man's hand rising above the sea, the Bible has promised us that it is coming. Let me read this again because it's one of my favorite passages. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servants. He went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, that's enough. It's coming. Go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and a heavy rain came on. Amen. Cheers.